What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Well, if it isn't the Star-Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders! Sprinkle some pixie dust around, grab your happiest thoughts, and let's fly away to Neverland. Now, I, of course, am your host, the Spider Pan Jeremy, and I am here to fly with you and be your guide through all things Neverland. And we're going to really have some fun today, which I've got to be quick about because I've got, well, not really a plane to catch or a train to catch. I'm driving myself. My wife is currently in Rolla, Missouri, attending a training type of thing for teachers. Uh, it's something called Project Lead the Way. And I'm going to go down and spend the weekend with her, and I need to get this show recorded and ready to go on time so by the time you hear this i will probably actually be on my way back depending upon when you listen so i just want to dive right into some of the fun we're going to have i've got some news there was a lot of interesting things to talk about nothing really necessarily disney related but i do have some disney news I'm going to have a review for the new Ghostbusters film. Is it worth your time? It is, is it everything you feared? Well, I'll tell you. And also, I have some fun content that Eric has sent. He has interviewed voice actor Brian Cummings. Have you heard of Dr. Mindbender on G.I. Joe? It's that guy. Uh, there's a lot of other voices he's done. It's a great conversation. You're going to enjoy it. Also, he has recorded the Tangled show there in Disneyland and sent me that audio a while back, and I haven't gotten an opportunity to share it, so I'm going to share it now. But we got to get started right away, so let's jump into some news.
spanning the Disney and Geek universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Okay, now some of this stuff I've been sitting on for a while, and if you follow the Facebook group or the like page, you've likely seen some of this. But there is a He-Man and Thundercats crossover comic coming from DC Comics and Mattel. So, apparently there's a Thundercats crossover miniseries, that, and, and this is scheduled to debut in October. Well, I guess Thundercats mainly with He-Man. I don't know if the Thundercats have their own comic series at this point, or maybe this is the beginning of one. But DC Comics has had the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe comic running for some time now and doing different variant things with it. But is this not the ultimate toy crossover that all of us who grew up in the 80s would love to have? I mean, really. So this is very, very cool. So this is starting in October. Uh, one of the co-writers, Rob David, said, For everyone out there who took different action figures and teamed them up to take on the world, this one's for you. It will be a six-part comic and begins October 5th. Some other really fun stuff going on. For Spider-Man Homecoming, there was a new person named Angori Rice. Um... She's Australian, a very young-looking... I'm not sure exactly how old she is. She was previously in the film Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, which I have not seen, so I can't tell you anything about her. But from the look of her, I'm kind of wondering if maybe she's going to be playing Gwen Stacy. It's possible, but we really don't know. But uh, she's joined the cast. Uh, there's rumors of Carnage being a villain. There's rumors of, I think I've heard about... The Vulture, we don't really know anything of this, but there's a lot of rumors flying around, but we do know that she was cast in a role. So, all right, so now we actually have some Disney news, and before I get into some park news, here's just some straight Disney news. And you probably already knew about this, but LEGO will be releasing an official Cinderella Castle set at some time in the near future, and it will reportedly retail at $349.99 and have 4,080 pieces. Uh, release date is, date is actually set for September 1st of 2016. Uh, this is very, very cool. When you, you know, it's even got some stuff in the back, uh, different little kind of scenes to kind of uh, build together, and uh, looks really cool from the front. And you know, they did release all those minifigs of like Mickey, Donald, Minnie, and Daisy, and things like that, and all kinds of these, uh, Disney characters. So it'll be fun to kind of play with. But $349 for this thing? I ain't got that kind of money, uh, but it's still very, very cool that they've made it, and that's, that's something that might be on your Christmas list, unless this is your Christmas list. Nintendo is going to release a retro kind of mini console that's preloaded with 30 games. This is coming out November 11th, and a suggested retail price of $59.99. Holy cow, that's definitely an affordable type of thing for Christmas. But here's the list of games. Balloon Fight, Bubble Bobble, Castlevania, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Double Dragon 2, The Revenge, where's the original Double Dragon, Dr. Mario, Excite Bike, Final Fantasy, uh, that's probably going to be not the absolute original Final Fantasy from Japan, but the first Final Fantasy we got here in America, which was, what, the third one or something? I don't know. Somebody who's into that will probably be able to tell me for sure. Uh, Galaga, Ghosts and Goblins, Gradius, Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, Kirby's Adventure, Mario Brothers, Mega Man 2, Metroid, Ninja Gaiden, Pac-Man, Punch-Out! featuring Mr. Dream. So this is not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but it's going to be the same game, but it's uh, post-Mike Tyson when they, they did re-release it later. Star Tropics, Super C, which is basically Super Contra. So where was Contra on this list? I don't know. Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3, Tecmo Bowl, The Legend of Zelda, and Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. 
lots of really good stuff. Uh, there's a suggested retail of $9.99 for a NES Classic Controller. So if you want to play with two people, you do have to buy a separate controller. Uh, now, for the look at these, though, I almost wonder if... Because yeah, we actually have... Well, consider this is mini. You probably do have to buy a separate one. But it almost looks like, you know, we have... Like my wife's old Nintendo, and we do still have the controllers for it. But these kind of look like they have... Uh, when you look really close at the box, almost like an HDMI cable-looking uh, uh, port for these. So your old controllers will not actually work. So, yeah, but it's still, you know, it's worth it, you know, extra $10 so both of you can play together. This is fantastic news. So, if you can't afford to get that Lego Cinderella's Castle, go for that. <laughs> All right, now, also, construction began in Star Wars Land, uh, at Disneyland, so park guests have actually been getting a peek. They've put a picture up. Uh, on a wall, apparently, or something like a poster, and so this picture has been all over the place, and it's this very cool kind of pulled back where you look like you're looking down a planet, and there's like an X-wing flying down into it, and you can kind of see what Star's Land, uh, Star Wars Land, is kind of going to look like uh, from a Star Wars perspective. You don't really see the particulars of the rides necessarily; it is kind of far back. Uh, it's 14-acre land, though; it's the largest ever single-themed land expansion at a Disneyland resort, but it is now currently under construction. It's coming. We don't know how soon. It's probably going to take, I'd guesstimate, at about at least a year or a year and a half to two, you know, before this is ready and is open. But this is still fantastic, and we, of course, are very excited about it. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. You people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good.
girls when we went to the drive-in to see the original Ghostbusters. And I, I tell you, I've been a fan ever since I first saw it. I was like seven years old when that came out, and I've grown up loving Ghostbusters ever since. Uh, despite, you know, Ghostbusters 2 being, you know, not as good, I still love that movie. I even really loved the old Ghost, the Ghostbusters video game from 2009 that actually pretty much was like a Ghostbusters 3 you know, in, a, in a lot of ways. And now that's probably as close to a Ghostbusters 3 as we're ever going to get, although people are still saying, where's my Ghostbusters 3? Because there was a lot of hopes that there was going to be a passing of the torch to maybe some new characters, and there was all kinds of rumors. There was rumors of, uh, like, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson at one point. All kinds of different rumors. And then, of course, we heard about a, uh, a new film coming, and instead of being a sequel, it's a remake, because apparently they just couldn't get a script going for a, a uh, third film. Which is weird to me because, okay, this remake could have been a third film. It is it is actually a really good story and good plot. And I don't understand how they couldn't have been passing the torch onto some new Ghostbusters. And I don't mind they're all women, but, you know, could have passed the torch. Instead, we've got a, a remake that is not a bad movie, but it is definitely inferior, I think, to the original. I mean, the original launched the whole thing. And, and I don't know if it's just the nostalgia in me that was just... Really, kind of comparison. I had low expectations for this, uh, so it was not hard to be able to impress me to some degree, I must say. And this is a, a pretty decent movie. This is worthy of being a summer fun type of movie. I mean, it's it's not bad, but it's it's got some plot holes that really kind of bothered me, and I will bring one up. Uh, but one thing this movie does do well is a, a couple of jump scares. It's, it's It brings back a little bit of that creepy factor, which is... On the 2009 video game, something I very much enjoyed is it brought back a creepy factor into things and uh, had a few little kind of spooky moments. And this movie does have some things like that, which is very fun, you know, that it does, you know, try to do some jump scare kind of things. The problem is it's really not funny. Uh, I laughed at a couple of things, uh, but it's, it's not really a funny movie. And I don't know if they were trying to have us take it serious, except for they try to interject some humor with... Uh, Chris Hemsworth's character that is almost a cartoon. He is so dumb you cannot believe that he is possibly that dumb. And I think they did it just to try to look. Isn't this funny? <laughs> like, no, this is almost embarrassing. And, and 
I don't know. It, it, it was so cartoony and just, you know, I, I didn't find it really that funny. And one thing I have noted is nearly every male character that has more than three lines is either a jerk or a complete idiot. So, yeah, there's that going for it. Yeah, thanks for, you know, balancing the sexes. I thought that's what your point was. One thing that was kind of nifty about the plot is within this, the, the, this, this version of the Ghostbusters is trying to prove that they are serious scientists and that they are legitimately finding ghosts and you know they figure oh if we can catch one of these we can we can prove it you know i don't know how they're going to prove it when it's in a trap because they don't even have a containment unit so nobody can actually see your 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 ghost that you trap so there was a plot hole right from the beginning which does at least come to light because they realize oh yeah it's in this trap what the only way to uh, show it to anybody is to let it back out uh so yeah that was kind of a silly thing oh yes we'll catch one that'll prove it to everyone but the overall plot is is like trying to prove that no we are legitimate and there are actual ghosts which in a way is sort of meta in the fashion that oh no we are like a real ghostbusters group even with a new cast and we can try to remake and recapture what we had in the first film which they failed at they i don't think they really recaptured what the, what the first film had uh, so that, but that was one of the plot holes. The other plot hole is, you know, you've seen in a trailer, uh, Melissa McCarthy's character gets possessed. Well, at one point she goes and takes a, uh, like a pipe and she smashes the proton packs. Now, at no point do we see anyone getting a chance to repair them before the Ghostbusters are out and have the packs on and using them. Wait a minute, they were just smashed up and broken. How in the world do you have working proton packs again? Nobody took the time to show us them. Maybe, you know, that they got a chance to fix, but really, no, they... They chased a ghost, and uh, uh, there really wasn't a chance to f- repair them. Now, are the characters these new Ghostbusters enjoyable? Yeah, I, you know, I did enjoy um, Kristen Wiig's character, Aaron. I, we, we mainly, you know, in the, in the first movie, we knew kind of first name, last name, and we kind of got it. Uh, this one, uh, I mainly caught everybody by first name, except for, like, Hosler, blah, 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 whatever her name was supposed to be, which she was delightfully insane and kind of genius. She's almost... The Egon of a, who builds the equipment. Uh, Melissa McCarthy's character, Abby, uh, was kind of the race stance of the group. Uh, you had Aaron, who was, I, in a way, sort of the Peter of the character, because she has, at the beginning of the film, stopped believing in any of paranormal activity and everything, and is trying to get tenure in her university. Uh, so she's the skeptic at first until, you know, she has an encounter, which you've seen in a trailer, and gets slimed and everything. Uh, but, you know, so it goes on from there. And this is not some people that, oh, hey, we all got fired from our jobs to go into business for ourselves. This is, no, we're going to research and we're going to prove we're not crazy. And it's just basically trying to do research. You don't have any idea where they're getting funding to build any of their equipment, but their equipment does look very shoddy and haphazard and stuff like that. There is kind of a fun moment of going to the firehouse and being told what the rent would be per month to rent the firehouse and of course they can't afford it there's apparently nobody's farms to mortgage uh, as in the original film Uh, but yeah they're actually trying to legitimately do some studies there's no thought of sort of any sort of income uh, of how they're going to maintain this research you know it's not like somebody's giving them a grant to do paranormal research because they're not Uh, So, you know, but I guess we're not supposed to question things like that. We're just supposed to kind of go along for the ride. There is a bit of silly nonsense, I think, that happens kind of towards the uh, the buildup of the film where they go out and they're fighting a whole gang of ghosts and they really only have one trap. They have no containment unit. So what are they doing? They're catching them in streams and flinging the ghosts around and flinging ghosts into other ghosts. So you, you have something that has no corporeal form, you know, it's no, no body, and you're going to sling it into a bunch of other things with also no body, and that's supposed to have done something. Sure, okay, but I think this this bit of the film was trying to be like, look, we're the Avengers, but we're not, you know. 
That's the way it felt. It felt like it was trying to be an Avengers movie, but none of the actually that you see in there made any sense to me. It was just all spectacle. And that's really what this film is. It's it's a spectacle. It's got kind of an interesting story that I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about other than the fact that what you hear in the trailer that somebody is causing ghost manifestations and, of course, has something going on, you know. Well, that's the basic story. Now, to order to uh, keep it fun for us, we do have, well, let me just grab the soundtrack that I went ahead and picked up because I did enjoy some bits on here. There is at least three versions of the Ghostbusters theme uh, that they created. There's a version by a band called Walk the Moon. You got a version by Pentatonix and even Fallout Boy with Missy Elliott. And just to make it fun, the Ray Parker Jr. version is included. So you have Ghostbusters, the theme song, really four times on the soundtrack and uh, you know what I'll play a couple of these versions these new versions for you but it's a big throwback to the original film you even get to see cameos by the remaining actors and uh, Bill Murray actually gets a kind of a semi-important character to play which here's another plot hole something happens to him it's it's important at the time of when that happens to him but then it's just completely dropped like no wait that was a very significant thing and you know uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but when you watch it, you'll get it, because somebody should probably have to have taken responsibility for what just happened, because somebody is clearly at fault for doing something stupid. Which comes into that other plot hole of you can't really prove you have ghosts unless you can open a trap and let one loose again. So, but I don't want to spoil anything. Um, very fun cameos, though, by Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. And even Slimer gets kind of a fun bit to do, and I don't want to spoil what Slimer gets to do in this film, but that was one of the few things that I thought was absolutely hilarious. But that's not until near the end of the film, and then that's when you really got a good chuckle. But there's a few good scares, a few good laughs, uh, and it was fun. And it's it's probably worth seeing, but it is... I would put it beneath Ghostbusters 2 as far as being the level of a good quality movie. So, I mean, it's it's worth watching at least one time. It's not absolutely terrible, but it's, you know, it's... It's not up to the par of what it should have been, I think, to really be a great Ghostbusters film.
ghosts. Yeah! Hey there, Neverlanders. This is Lost Boy Eric coming to you from the Denver Comic-Con. And I'm sitting here with Brian Cummings. Excuse me, excuse me. Would you say that again? And this time, would you really kind of hit the word lost a little? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, we get directed all the time. I had to do that just to, have to take advantage of the fact that you didn't know I was going to do that. Sorry. Oh, God. Okay. Not, not a problem. Okay, now continue. Now, uh, Brian, maybe known by many of us. Who I owe money to. Yes. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes, of course. Uh, who would you say that you're best known for voicing? I, I, it's interesting because probably the least... Uh, the least expensive, in, as far as production expensive series I did, because it was funded outside the industry by the toy company, was the G.I. Joe series in the 80s. And uh, what become one of my favorite characters, based loosely on Arnold Schwarzenegger, was Dr. Mindbender, the Cobra villain. And probably one of the reasons, and this is a, a thing that most performers get, and audiences probably realize, but maybe they don't realize it consciously, is that performers who really love what they do have a relationship with their audience. And if the audience loves what you do, then that's acceptance to you. So Dr. Mindbender is one of my favorite characters because he still lives on there. People who come to national G.I. Joe cons every year, people who dress up in the costumes, and uh, and they revere the characters. You know, the neat thing about animation, uh, we all do various different things in voiceover, from straight commercial to promo to book narration to all, all sorts of industrial stuff. Animation is wonderful because the audience relates to the character and they feel that they know their characters and by connection that makes it seem like they, they feel like they know the actors who portray the characters. So you have a relationship there. It's kind of a weird one because it existed. You didn't actually know it existed, but you know it does exist. And so when you meet with, with fans of the show, uh, it, it's really easy to feel that sense of, of uh, kinship and, and relationship between two people. So it's marvelous. Animation's the best. Oh, yeah. So Mindbender's one of my favorites. I love Papa Q. Bear on Berenstain Bears. Uh, Papa Q. Bear, partly because he was a good father, but, but a little bit naive about a lot of stuff. It was also a great show because we had marvelous co-stars. Ruth Buzzy, who is a phenomenal character actress. Frank Welker was in it. The, the kids in, in the show were remarkable. The guy who played Brother Bear went off and did an arm wrestling movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone. He was a, a phenomenal actor. And, and so there, there was cohesion. Also, Berenstain Bears was fun because they gave us all multiple characters. So Papa Bear was the main character, but the supporting characters were also fun. The mayor of the town, there was a scientist, actual factual the uh, monster that all the kids were afraid of it was actually just a big kid, Big Paw, instead of mm -hmm. Bigfoot. Um, so that was awesome because the <clears throat> ensemble was remarkable. Always there's a thing that happens with uh, with writers and, and pro producers and directors when you have a kinship with them. They relate to your characters and they kind of give you direction that moves around. If the script is good in the first place, the, it's like a map going to, on a great adventurous vacation. If the map is good, then the whole vacation is better. So it's just that thing. Another thing that's great about this business is when you meet actors, and we all have those performing egos, it you might seem to you like we're going, like, it's really great because of me, but the reality is it's really great because everybody that put their, their effort into this production did the best the best possible work that could, is, that could be done, and that's what makes it great is that everybody is for, is fabulous and everybody is at their best. And uh, for example, and you do a lot of, of Disney stuff, mm -hmm. so I, I it's, this is a little fantasy because I'm not the actor who did the main project, but because it was great, I got a, kind of a chance to walk a mile in his shoes. You know the old joke: if you walk a mile in his shoes, when you look up, you're a mile away and you're wearing his shoes. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so. I did the scratch reads as they were developing the script for Emperor's New, New Groove. Right. As, as John Goodman and uh, so I did that as they were developing the script. Then when they did Monsters, Inc., John, John being the Class A starring performer, 
with a very busy career when they did things that were based on the movie. They came back to my voice to do Pacha for toys and other things that were based on the movie that were not that were still John to people's minds, but were, right. were another guy. So it was kind of neat to kind of pretend to be John Goodman for a while. That part of the creative process is neat to get into for, for the actor because you see how storylines develop and how people make things better in that way, refine the stuff. So that was a remarkable thing. I, I'm, I had the great pleasure when I lived in L.A. for working for Disney on various kinds of things for years and years and years. We did a, a promotional thing where I worked on camera and did voiceover after the movie Aladdin that was for the people who hold the Magic Kingdom club cards to get oh, yeah. in, the discount cards, and we shot the on-camera segment. Uh, was very similar to the beginning of the movie where the camera comes too close. We did that live. I did really bad magic, and then we did the narration part of it afterwards in the same accent. Oh, cool. So we, we kind of follow that up with that. So uh, it, it, Disney's been a, a, a ride all the way. The things that did happen, some there were some things that didn't happen, um, and, and everybody talks about the fish that got away. But all in all, I think it's been a great adventure for me in that regard. And I have many, many very uh, people for whom I hold great affection who are still with Disney that I visit from time to time when I get a chance to go back to L.A. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, one of my characters growing up, well, I, I loved it when Disney started doing television animation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, uh, I, I remember seeing the Fluffy Dogs when that special okay. premiered. Okay. You know, of course, I was all over DuckTales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, really? I love DuckTales, too, especially when I got to hang out with Launchpad, because he's my hero, you know. Well, you know, there's some excellent junior woodchucks in that show. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Then don't forget, often the edge, the Beagle Boys was always looking out for him, though. You never know, right? <laughs> yeah, we could take advantage of those ducks. And that Scrooge, he's got stuff hidden away that's worth big bucks. But, yeah. <laughs> how, how many different beagles are there? Uh, when we did the show, again, in the interest of the production, Beagle Ford, there were three, it was, there were three beagles. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting, we did a pirate episode where the beagles become a barbershop quartet. But it was only three of us as the barbershop quartet. And, and maybe they replaced us with legit singers afterwards. I don't know, because when we went in, there were lyrics, but there was no music. So we kind of like, we made it up. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, it's fun. Now, one of the shows that kicked off this whole Disney television renaissance was The Wuzzles. Yeah. And, and was, not everybody remembers The Wuzzles. Interestingly, I had two characters that were regular characters. And, and typically, uh, for people who don't understand how animation works, it is still a, it's, it's a lovely business, but it's still a business. And the union allows a producer to have an actor do three voices in a production for one session fee. Right. It's, it's a very generous session fee. And for, as far as actors are concerned, we don't feel like someone's taking advantage of us. They're letting us play for pay. So that's the ideal. So in Wuzzles, I was Bumbleline. It was just a very enthusiastic, hey, you guys, we got a, we got a, I remember we did one that was a horror thing, and he said, all right, you guys, before I go inside, I want you to do one thing. What's that? Talk me out of it. <laughs> so it was kind of like, but so that was the good character who is now, for some reason, someone's adopted Bumbleline as, as the mascot for a football team. I, oh, I wow. actually saw him on the line, so I'm going, whoa, that's interesting. But, uh, the, uh, and all the characters were, were like, inbreeding between species that you wouldn't expect. So Bumbleline was half Bumblebee and half Lion. Right. My villain was a, a, a sidekick to the main villain who was Croc. Mm -hmm. And it was only Croc, which is interesting, but everything else. So my, my villain was Flizzard, who was half fly and half lizard. And, and he was kind of a weenie. Oh, Croc, what are you going to do? You know, kind of thing. So, uh, uh, but it was also interesting because television networks do what they do. They put shows against shows. So Wuzzles was against Gubby Bears. Right. Which I was also in with not, not such big parts, but I was in Gummy Bears and it was delightful with a bunch of awesome people. And uh, so in, in the network battle of time slots and wars, Gummy Bears 
was a slightly higher in the ratings than Wuzzles were, so Wuzzles went bye-bye, unfortunately. But we had a marvelous cast. The legendary Stan Freeberg was oh, our yeah. narrator. And, uh, and we had people from the, the, the old Laugh-In television series. Henry Gibson was Ella Rue, and Joanne Worley was Hopopotamus. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and the, so the cast was just phenomenal. It was a great experience. Every day it was a treat to go to work. And our directors, we had a couple during the series, were marvelous. So, again, that whole experience with doing Disney animation for television was absolutely uh, delightful. You know, Wonderful. Off the ground. <laughs> cool. You know, um, I have to say one of my favorite uh, sequences in Beauty and the Beast... <laughs> and one of the biggest laughs I got out of that was during the climactic battle scene. Okay, okay. And it involved a certain stove. Yeah, Chef, his name was Chef Boucher, but he was just the stove to people. And that's probably one of the weirder... At that period of, of my career, there were two things that happened. One, at the time, that I was not happy with. Uh, and that was, I had just voiced... Uh, actually, and you'll you never hear this, I had just voiced the parrot character for Aladdin. Oh, and again, because the process is an ongoing process, they felt that the character, that, that Aladdin was kind of skewing like an older Disney product and they wanted it to be new and updated. So, so before they hired Gilbert Gottfried, the character, my character talked a lot like British actor John Hurt. Oh. When he was alone with Jafar, and he said, Oh, yes, Jafar, they're doing this, I don't know what to do. But then when he was in public, he just go, like I was a dumb parrot. So it was kind of like treated like a spy. So he had two different personas, one in public and one who was in private. But it was much more much funnier when Gottfried got the part, and that was the right thing to do. Oddly enough, they were finishing up at that time, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and they had had a, a character. I don't rec- I don't know if they told me either the character was supposed to be in and was overlooked, uh, or they they were not happy with what happened before. And again, things changed. So, so basically, they were late in production and they needed to fulfill a character. So it was the most unusual situation. They said, "We've hired three guys." We've hired all three of you. We're going to record this part by all three of you. And then we, we, we've used you all enough so that you're regular Disney voices, so we know we'll get what we want. Mm-hmm. We'll then listen, and the one we like the best will get the job. We'll be in the, in the film. And you won't know till the film is released. So a, huh. a year later, they released the film, and I discovered there he was. All right. So, but again, <laughs> lo- lovely people. and love. I think the wonderful thing about our business is some people might say there's a lot of insecurity. The wonderful thing about our business is you can look at it that way or you can do the glasses half full instead of half empty and look. It's always an adventure and you never know what's going to happen, you know, either positive or negative, but it's always interesting and fascinating. And if you do it long enough and you show up long enough, you kind of get your share of, of what's going on. Yeah. The action, as it were. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, probably the best way that I know your voice, though is it was featured on pretty much every single Disney video release. Yeah, we, 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 again, same thing. Because of the nature of, of this business, people have to get stuff done. Working as an animator, you know, it has to be done well, but it also has to be done in a timely fashion because there, there are deadlines and there are right. a million details that have to be done. So part of that interesting thing about that process is that once somebody knows that you're capable of doing something and they like your work, they have a tendency to call you back. It's a lot. You can imagine if you have to, every time you do a project, you have to listen to 25 different people's voices to pick the person. It's good for you if you've paid your dues and somebody decides they like you. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to say, I used him before. He did a great job. Let's call him back. So oh, that's yeah. kind of what worked. And the animation is marvelous because it gives us the opportunity to have 
a lot of different var variety in our voice prints and attitudes because mm -hmm. that's the nature of the job. So if you're doing straight work and you have that capability as well. I've been teaching on and off for 25 years, and one of the things I do with my students, if somebody comes to me and wants to be an announcer, I have them read the animation scripts. If somebody wants to do animation, I have them read the announcer scripts. And it, Because the animation guys benefit from the discipline right. of the delivery, and the straight guys benefit from taking chances and varieties and subtleties that you wouldn't get if you were just an announcer. Mm -hmm. So that's all cool. Hell yeah. Well, you know, again, like I said, almost every Disney video, it starts out with... I know. My, my, <laughs> my kids used to say, Dad, your most famous thing is when you say, and now our future presentation. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. But there you go. But it's, they put it on everything because it was necessary. To oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's my most, most fabulous thing there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> now, what inspired you to get into voice acting? Oh, um... It's really funny. I think you'll find this not necessarily a constant, but but more often than not, if you talk to like guys like Robin Williams, you talk to to the Pat Fraley's or Corey Burton's. A lot of guys who do this were very quiet in school, maybe a little shy and insecure, and it, it's acting out was kind of the way that you got outside yourself, right? And and you got response from people. They laughed at you, and so a lot of people who got, get into entertainment are people who kind of lived in their own world and were. were people who had fantasies of being creative but didn't have a lot of courage. It's kind of to me like that thing with people who do this. It's kind of like you go to the luau and the coals are out in front of you and stuff and the reality is if you take it really carefully and you step on those coals, you're going to fry yourself up to your knees. Or if you just dive in, you're going to get across unscathed. And I think people who do this learn that we dived in, you know? So there's there's the and then there's the inappropriate thing. Not always they, they put these things in the movies where the young boys are, are overly interested in girls so they lunge at the girls but I think a lot of the young boys that lunge at the girls don't lunge at the girls because they're they're uh, of bad moral character or, mm -hmm. or, or because they're uh, racy guys but they're insecure and rather than be suave and, and smooth with ladies they have to die because they don't have the, the courage or, or the abilities to actually you know be, be good with the opposite sex mm -hmm. so it's the same thing I yeah. think you know you die for it and so what's great about this business is we do that all the time you give me something to do and I will I'll take it to the limit and then I'll bring it back if somebody if it's over the top but first I'll dive in at full strength oh, yeah. which is good oh, yeah. excellent and fun yeah <laughs> all right so um I'll take it. My first was my first. Uh, I actually, my, my high school reunion was last weekend. Oh yeah, my, my three millions. And, uh, and then they said, after tonight, we're all going out as a class. We're going to do karaoke. And I said, all right, I'll go for fifteen minutes. And I'm not. So I went. Then they were everything was delayed for like an hour. I did one song, and that was it. Oh, wow. Wrap it up. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. That's well, if we want to reach out to you, where can we find you? Uh, my website is uh, is the, T-H-E, BrianCummings.com. You can also get there with voiceutility.com. Uh, I also, and uh, connected to that, I have, I have a website for the... Uh, Pseudo uh, mediocre rock and roll music. No, no I, I had great musicians. I had fabulous guys with me. Uh, it's a whole hour just talking about their credits, not mine, who were, were nice enough to work with me. And then we have, I have an appearances and workshop uh, attachment that, uh, as of today, by the time people hear this, it'll probably be working. My designer is in Copenhagen on vacation. Oh. <laughs> so when I said, it didn't link, and so he emailed me back, said, so I'll fix it. So we'll see how that works but but uh, and that was so the other two websites are mediamonsterjams.com is the uh, music which mm -hmm. is also on iTunes and the band is media monster then the uh, appearances is uh, Brian Cummings class act which is also the name of my workshop 
BrianCummingsClassAct.com, which also features not only classes but but also appearances. So, for example, not every summer, but occasionally this year we're doing it again. I do a voiceover day camp, which we do on two consecutive Saturdays. Uh, and then I, I also have an eight-week class that I will attempt to do here this fall in a new market. We'll see how that works. Uh, and those will both be up on that website, dates and information and stuff. $3 million or the equivalent amount in produce. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, what type of produce? Uh, oh, yeah, because yeah, eggs are tough. If you want to pre-boil them, it's just fine. And I don't want anything that would rot, so forget the mushrooms. But okay. otherwise, okay, livestock. Livestock, even better. Okay. Never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, Best of luck with your classes coming up, and and thank you again. And best of luck with being the fabulous artist you guys are. I appreciate that, too. Thank you. Good night. And now, lords and ladies, good gentles all, please welcome those loquacious lovers of legends and law. Those versatile viscounts of voluminous capacity as they portray a panoply of personalities under this preeminent proscenium. Please welcome Mr. Smythe and Mr. Jones. Yes, Rapunzel. 
Rapunzel doesn't have any dancing bears. No, she's the first guest. The first guest? Yes. Who's on second? That is the question. What, what are we <laughs> Lords and ladies, it is now time to give a warm welcome to our first royal guest. The one, the only, the one and only, Rapunzel! We are honored to be in your presence today. And we are most delighted that you accepted our invitation to join us in a live performance of your story. It's my pleasure. After all, who better to help us tell the story of Rapunzel than Rapunzel? <laughs> this is going to be such an adventure. Uh, now remember, we are here to assist you in any way we can. Should you wish to know where to stand, we shall show you. Should you want to know what to say, we will tell you. Should you wish to recognize one of us for most outstanding performance by a player in the leading role, drama or comedy, we shall kneel before you in humble gratitude. I'm sure you'll both be wonderful. Very well then. Are you ready? Yes. Then let the play begin. Once upon a time, there was a radiant young lady named Rapunzel. Who lived at the top of a tall, tall tower. From the time I was just a baby, my mother never allowed me to go outside. Each day, as Rapunzel gazed out her tower, she wondered where her life begin. My dream was to see the floating lanterns that appear in the night sky every year on my birthday. But today, like every other day, Rapunzel's daydreams were interrupted by the sound of a familiar voice. Rapunzel! Mother Gothel? Let down your hair! Uh, let me undo that for you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You have no idea how long it takes to read this. Ah, but of course. Uh, stop hair, please. <laughs> What's that? That is a theatrical representation of your hair. Oh, I love the theater. Rapunzel, I'm waiting. Coming, Mother. Obediently, Rapunzel lowered her hair so that Mother Gothel could easily ascend the steep tower wall. Be noted by all in attendance that Mother Gothel was not Rapunzel's real mother. That's right. I was kidnapping Mother Gothel when I was just a baby. And why was Rapunzel kidnapped? Oh, Mr. Jones. Because her magic hair. Yes, which keeps Mother Gothel. The fairest of them all. Hi, 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 Rapunzel. Ah, uh, princess. Rapunzel, mommy's feeling a bit run down. Why don't you let me brush your hair while Mr. Smythe sings your magic song? Whenever I sing the magic song, my hair began to shimmer and glow. And when it glowed, it kept Mother Gothel young with its special healing powers. Gothel brushed the enchanted hair, the years melted away. Like sounds through the hourglass, thus were the days of our lives. Thank you, my princess. Thank you, my dear. Now get me my mirror. I see. I see a strong, confident, beautiful young lady. Oh, look! You're here, too! <laughs> Rapunzel, realizing this might be the last opportunity, summoned up the courage to ask. Mother, I was wondering. <laughs> I mean, since it's my birthday tomorrow, would you please take me to see the floating lanterns? It's my only birthday wish. Absolutely not, Rapunzel! No, oh, sorry! Flower, gleam, and glow, let your power shine, make your thoughts reverse, remember what's mine. Ta-da! I told you, my dear, the world is a dangerous place filled with ruffians and thugs, and that's why I keep you locked up in this beautiful town with your ass. Seriously, Sam. Flower, glow, power shine, clock reverse, remember For your own safety, my dear, you will never, ever, 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 ever leave this tower. Ever! Trust me, <laughs> Rapunzel, mother knows best. 
<laughs> Rapunzel was determined to see the floating lantern, so she did what any imprisoned 18-year-old girl would do. She packed up a frying pan and headed for the window. Looking out the window, Rapunzel spotted a young man climbing up the tower wall. A stranger! And she hauled himself up into a tower room.
character nobody had ever seen. That's Maximus, the horse of the Royal Guard. And he's after me! <laughs> Follow me! It's a secret passage.
Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we 